Benfica Podcast is one of the founding partners or founding projects of Benfica Independent. Uh, BenficaIndependent.com is a site where you can find tons and tons of content. Our podcast included Brinco do Batista, Benfica FM, along with uh, uh, audio uh, recaps uh, of games, a lot of podcasts about modalidade, if that's your thing and you want to keep up uh, with the modalidade, but you really don't have the time uh, on your schedule to watch the Modalidades on BTV. You can now catch the recaps and also Modalidades talk on Befig Independent, along with a lot of uh, uh, opinion articles, uh, all independent, everyone with their own opinion. There's no agenda between a Befig uh, Independent. The only thing is that we just want what's best uh, for the club. Uh, Befig Independent is also on Patreon with two levels of support, one at two and one at five. Uh, and I believe the five gets you some uh, free swag. So uh, if you like the content and if you like what's produced on there, uh, please do support us uh, by going to uh, patreon.com backslash Benfica Independent. Ser Benfica é uma crença. É uma religião muito grande. A visão do culto. A coragem que é liberdade, que é crer, que é vontade. Que é o caráter das pessoas. Calma de quem é grande, maior que os maiores. É uma paixão com outra explicação. Eu não consigo explicar o que é ser do Benfica. Eu sinto o que é ser do Benfica. Mas de facto uma paixão. E as paixões são assim, vivem-se assim intensamente. Aqui não há nenhuma razão. É paixão, paixão, paixão. Ser Benfica. Até à morte. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Talk to the Dog Benfica podcast. My name is Alfredo Fumaças. With you every Tuesday, Cristiano. How you doing, Cristiano? Ah, how am I doing? Um, well, you know, we've um, we've been hit with 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 a pretty bad snowstorm. Um, snowstorm unlike any we've uh, gotten hit with over uh, last. I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, it's been a while since we had this bad of a storm. Uh, so besides that, Alfredo. And something else that I don't want to mention, you know, uh, everything else is good with the exception of that. How are you, bro? Good, good. Extend it real quick. On a scale of one to ten, uh, rate Rui Costa as a player and rate Rui Costa as a director. Well, Rui Costa as a player, he gets a 12. I mean, he's my favorite player of all time. Um, I understand that there's been better players uh, than Rui Costa throughout the history of football, but I don't care. To me, he's my favorite player. I don't, he'd always be in Cristiano's um, uh, 11 uh, team of the century, whatever you want to call it. Um, that being said, to answer your question directly and bringing it back to as a director, I mean, look, I, I have to be brutally, brutally honest here. I love the guy. He's very kind. I don't want to say we're friends, but you know, he knows who I am. I know who he is. And obviously I know who he is. No shit. Uh, <laughs> very kind and, you know, whatever, the whole nine. But the truth is that I think Rui Costa as a director, um, there's still a lot there that we don't know about, right? Initially, on the surface of things, we want to be critical because, you know, this club over the last five, six years has been all downhill, right? The players, the roster hasn't been updated uh, or reinforced to the, to our liking. Our results have 
drastically year after year, taking a hit and just gone backwards. And technically, he's the guy in charge, was at least until now, now he's the vice president, was the guy in charge of, of bringing in players and ba da 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 da. He's got his hands in a cookie jar. And so, you know, you want to knock the guy and say he hasn't been very good. But but realistically, guys, right, we're speaking as being, and I'm not defending him because he's, he's my favorite player of all time. But do we really know how much control he has? Do we know what he's, you know what I'm trying to say? I, I just, I, I, I don't really know what his real role is inside Benfica. Did you, so, say, did you say what his rating was from 1 to 10? That's what I was a, going for. As a player? As a as director. A director. Well, I gave him a 12 as a player. Uh, and as, you give him a minus two as a director. So nah, it I'm evens things out. I'm going to give him a, you know, he's number 10. I'm number 10. So, you know, I'm beef. <laughs> you give him a one. No, I'm going to get a look. Because he, all he's been, he's a zero. What's 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 the correct score you give someone that, you know, it's undetermined? What's, five. What's, a five. He's a nah, middle of the road. He's, well, yeah, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I'm gonna give him a five because we don't. But if 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 he really has more power than what he's shown, then then he's been subpar. So therefore, I'm gonna give him a five. Dave, How's how that? you doing? That's all right. Dave, how you doing? You took the easy way out, but that's okay. Dave, how you been? I've uh, been better, but uh, like we were talking about, it's uh, Groundhog's Day here in uh, North America, and it feels like it's the same shit over and over again with uh, Benfica, just like that. Uh, Groundhog's Day uh, movie with Bill Murray, and it's the. It feels like we're living this uh, nightmare over, over and over and over again. But um, once again, we'll use this as a therapy session, and I'll need a full dosage of uh, positive Cristiano on uh, tonight's episode. Yeah, hey, hey Dave, <laughs> I got, a, I got a Costa question for you too. Okay, Rui Costa on the field was the guy that pulled the strings. Now that he's a director, do you think somebody's pulling his strings? I, I, I think he's the pu- he's the puppet, and there's a puppet master behind him, and uh, he's just there to show face for uh, somebody else that's pulling the strings. I, I uh, 100% agree with that one. How much of the positive uh, image that he has with the fans as a Benficista and as an old glory, I guess, uh, how much do you think that has been worn out? It's it's definitely been tarnished. I think the last season and, and a bit, just um, just from what I've been seeing on social media, and was watching his interview again on YouTube in the comments. Obviously, you never want to read the comments section on anything, but just from uh, judging that uh, people, I think uh, he's that his image has definitely been tarnished uh, a little bit with uh, his role in this uh, this uh, dictatorship, if you want to call it that. Hey, Alfredo. Rui Costa on the field was a number 10. On the national team at Benfica, at Fiorentina, at AC Milan, he wore the number 10. What rating, what number do you give Rui Costa <laughs> as a director of Benfica? Because, I mean, you like to put me and Dave on the spot. Dave, he talks about taking it the easy way out. He's the one that comes out squeaky clean. Never said anything. Right. I'm a point. So, yeah, for for me, the part. one falls off. Also, it's a complete zero. Look, um, so you're not even going to give the guy credit for bringing no, in the drop. I'm, I'm <laughs> going to give him a zero. You know why? Because up until this point, I don't think anybody knows what he does. Nobody really knows what Rui Costa does. Um, and the reason why we're talking about Rui Costa is, and, and, and as Dave alluded to, 
he gave an interview to PTV, a, a, a spot that's usually reserved for the president that comes out and speaks to the masses uh, when things are not well or when he needs to toot his own horn. He has those interviews with uh, with BTV, and, and this time around was Rui Costa. We have been clamoring here, who's going to show face? Who's going to come up and do a mea culpa about what's going on this season? And sure enough, it was the maestro that came out. Well, you know, the president's got COVID, you know, he doesn't want to be around people, he might be contagious, you know, we, we all understand why he's not out in front. <laughs> right? Positive Christiana, right, Dave? Wasn't that what you asked for? No, he's healed. <laughs> well, we don't know. We don't know. He I was mean, at the Alvalad. How could he be COVID positive in Alvalad? He was with a mask and, you know, he could have had doctor. We don't know. You know so I'm, it could have been a clone, you're saying? I'm just messing around. <laughs> we if got body doubles. If there's a body double, that guy, we're in trouble. I mean, this this, well, this nightmare is never going to end. The guy is uh, one day is doing deals in Brazil, then then the same days he's doing deals with Atlético Madrid and construction deals. I don't I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Maybe he's omnipresent, like uh, like Jesus. He could be like the Groundhog you mentioned prior to the show. He could be. This could all be virtual. You're right. <laughs> could be. It could be a clone and and. For for sure, we're not getting the good the good version of the clone. The version. No, no, we the, the good version is as was there even. I mean, I guess was there ever a good version? <laughs> I'm just that because I'm afraid you know where I've. I mean, for a very long time, you know where I stood. So was there a good version? Maybe when he first took over, then it was all downhill from there. No, nah, I you know obviously the. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about Luis Lefiero, but we all know that the guy has his his credits, and he will go down in the in the history of of Benfica as a club, as a, as a president that did a lot for for uh, the club. But along with the positives, there's also some negatives. Just wait um, until the Benfica Aeroporto is built, then then the guy's really going to be a legend. His statue is going to be right alongside Ozevich. Afraid of the question I got for you and Dave is, I did not. I did not watch. I still haven't had the opportunity to watch Rui Costa's interview, uh, which I intend to do over the next 24 hours. Did you guys, what did you guys take away I'll from it? I'll recap it for you. Okay, beautiful. That's Alfredo. When, when we get into it. When, when we get when we get to it, uh, and that's one of the discussion points or one of the, the topics that we're going to be uh, doing tonight. Um, we'll get into it. Now, I'll briefly, his interview could be resumed to two uh, important points. And he made it clear, this is what I want to come out of this interview are these two important points. So I will let you know what those points are when we get to it. Uh, but before we get to it, we got a Benfica, Besad, uh, Portuguese Cup game that we need to recap. We also got the Sporting game that we need to recap. Uh, looking ahead to uh, Guimarães, which is the next game, which is uh, this Friday. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday. And of course, the Rui Costa interview and, and a couple of loose items that we need to talk about as the the winter transfer uh, window has closed and there was some some moves on uh, Benfica's part. So let's um let's get right into the the Bolvens game or the Besad game, Portuguese Cup quarterfinals at Stadio Luz. Svilar was in goal, Gilberto Grimaldo on the fullback position, Jardel and Vertonghen up front. I mean uh, up front in the back. Uh, Gabriel interrupted in the middle, Rafa Servi on the wings, Walt Schmidt behind uh, Darwin. Um, JJ, COVID positive, unable to uh, be on the bench. Ron Deus, uh took over. So uh, it went from JJ no command to Deus no command. Um, <laughs> six changes from the last game. 
Um, and I, you know, I thought that Benfica started pretty well, uh, even though that uh, Bissad had the first opportunity in the 30th, 13th minute with the, with the breakaway on, on, uh, on, uh, uh, advantage. I think it was like three for two and the guy that had the ball ended up, uh, ended up, um, losing it. Um, but, uh, Benfica's goal comes from a, a, a weird play, a, a kind of a, a pinball play, if you will, uh, where the ball was headed to the keeper. The keeper comes out, clears it, hits the guy that headed the ball back to him, hits him in the foot and ends up at Darwin's feet and Darwin gets a score. Um, a weird goal, but nonetheless, I, I think that Cristiano, so many times we've been missing that, that Strelinha, the sort. Uh, and it looks like this time we had that lucky break. And thank the good Lord we did, because it seems like that's the only way that guy's going to get on the score sheet. But nonetheless, look, <laughs> credit to him for always believing that he could get to that ball. Um, the goalkeeper, what's Moreira? What's his name? The goalkeeper? Andre Moreira? Yeah. Thanks, Andre Moreira. Uh, mishandled it and fell to his feet, and he was able to put it in the back of the net. He almost walked it in. Uh, and Mefica got a 4 2 to score. And it's about time that we, uh, we get these lucky bounces. We uh, seem to, every time we, we, we get, you know, into any type of, of, of game, I should say, um, we don't get these lucky bounces. The lucky bounces always seem to go the other way. So I'm glad that we finally got one coming our way. Yeah. Um, four minutes later, Rafa would, uh, would uh, uh, add another goal to our tally off of uh, a corner kick play, which Ardell putting the ball back in and, and Rafa finding – um, uh, a quick, a nice, nice tap in, uh, at the far post. And, and Befica goes into the half up to nothing, uh, relaxed. Uh, Besad wasn't really showing much and didn't show much for the rest of, uh, of the game. Uh, but really, I think that, uh, that lucky, uh, break in, in, in the way that the team has been, uh, mentally, if you will, because there's a, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said about it the talent level of a lot of the players that play for this Mifika team. Uh, but there's also, uh, we feel that there's a, some kind of a mental block there that it's preventing uh, the team to be looser, the players to uh, be more confident with the plays that, the, uh, that they, they make. Uh, so certainly uh, having gone up to nothing before the half against Besad is something um, that I think the players and the team cherished, even though sometimes the, the second half could be, uh, could be a little troublesome for Benfica. But the second half, Benfica limited themselves to, to managing, uh, the game. We ended up getting a, a third in the 72nd minute from Servi after Rafa assist. Uh, and we really, we win this game clearly. Um, I don't think there was any doubts. Three nothing against Besad and we're on to the next round. Some thoughts on this game? This was exactly what the doctor ordered. Okay, nice, easy game. Comfortable victory heading into a uh, derby, I should say. Uh, Benfica handled their business early, as you mentioned. Fortuitous bounce, but it is what it is, part of the game. The other players stepped up, did what they had to do in order to get a nice, comfort, uh, comfortable second half and ease into um, the, the, the game coming up against our bitter rivals from, from across town. Now, the one negative about this uh, Luca Walshman picked up a knock, um, wasn't able to 
to partake in the in the following game. So that was the one negative from this whole game. But I think things couldn't have gone any better for Benfica. Very important victory. I understand it was B-side. It was at home where everybody and their mother expected Benfica to win this game, and it did exactly that. But it was important to continue and, and, and go on and move further down in a competition that Benfica absolutely needs to bring home the connectors. This is a competition that Benfica's only won, I believe, four of them in like 30 years. Terrible, terrible numbers in this competition. So I was glad that we handled our business. We now headed to the second half. Dave will, 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 will touch on that in just a second. Uh, but again, very important victory in terms of Taça de Portugal. And again, I, it was a good omen going into a game with such high uh, pressure uh, coming up against you know your, your city rivals. Uh, and it's something we'll, 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 we'll lead into in a few minutes. Dave, um, thoughts on the game and, and numbers? Yeah, just uh, like we've uh, already talked about, that lucky bounce is uh, something that uh, we haven't had much uh, of this season and we haven't had many of those go our way. So good to see that uh, we did have one in our favor in this match and that's what ultimately uh, led this team to uh, to put it into cruise control. I don't want to use that word because we've... Uh, We've seen what happens in the past when they do put it in cruise control, but they didn't get burned this game. And like Chris said, they were able to uh, coast on to a, a victory and um, leading into the, the sporting game. Um, with the, the victory, we moved on to the uh, semifinals, and it's uh, the third season in a row now that Benfica's made at least the uh, semifinals of the uh, Portuguese Cup. And uh, we'll play uh, Estriel in the uh, two-legged uh, semifinals. And uh, did you guys both know that uh, we have yet to concede a goal in the uh, Portuguese Cup yet uh, Cup uh, this season? We did know. I mentioned that uh, last time we discussed the Portuguese Cup. Did you know? I didn't. I forgot. And if you mentioned Alfredo, I forgot. So good job. Good job on both of you. It's just a bad job on my part. Do I get a negative grade like Rui Costa? No. He's not a negative. He's not a positive. It's a zero, right? Yeah. Now, for you, everything's positive this year, Cristiano. You don't get negative anything. <laughs> My man. <laughs> Next up, the the the, the derby, the uh, eternal derby, uh, Benfica against uh, Sporting at the Alvalade um, on Monday. Uh, so yesterday was the game as we record this. Um Real quickly, as we, we discuss this game and, and coming into this game, and uh, we, we spoke a lot about, you know, what happens if Benfica loses, what happens if Benfica ties. Um, and, and certainly uh, a lot of us pondered whether a loss would be uh, the end of the season for, for Benfica. Um, so, as you know, you, and you should know the result by now, Benfica lost this game to Sporting in a, in a, in an added time period. Um, and now we find ourselves in a predicament. But before we, we discuss that, let's get into the lineup uh, and discuss a few other points here. Uh, Vlaco Dimos was in goal, Jardel, Otamendi, and Vertonghen in the back, Gilberto uh, and Grimaldo as the wingbacks, uh, Weigel and Pizzi in the middle, Rafa and Servi on the wings, Darwin uh, by himself up front. Um, standard 3-4-3. A lot of people are saying... Um, that Benfica perhaps gave Sporting way too much respect by going and playing a 3-4-3. But the truth of the matter is Benfica has been playing in a 3-4-3. 
uh, as of late. This is not the first time that Benfica has played in the 3-4-3. So I don't really subscribe to the idea that uh, Benfica respect the Sporting too much to the point that we had to alter our tactical disposition in order to play Sporting. I think if if you paid attention to Benfica over the last couple of weeks, they've transitioned slowly, but they started transitioning to the three to the three defenders at back. Well, it's a three four three, a three five two. Point is that they're starting to play with three in the back. I'm not sure it would have been my this my, my I would have gone with those three, but I guess those were the only three available at the time. Um, that being said, uh, look. I think it, it caught us by surprise, even though we've seen them go to that three uh, three in the back formation at times. Like I said, but I, it still caught me by surprise. I thought they would have gone in with with you know with the four in the back like they're accustomed to, um, especially for a big game like this against a, a team that's on the up and up team that's played well, team that's really got no pressure. We talked about this all week long uh, coming into this game, and considering it was, it says. Close to a do or die game as you're going to have in the first half of the season, right? Because we're still in the first round, first half of the season. There's one more game to go um, in, in, in the Primera Volta before we start playing the second half of the season. So uh, I would have liked to see Benfica. I like the formation. Don't get me wrong. My favorite formation, as you guys, have, if you, for those of you that listen on a regular, for years, it's three five two. That's my favorite formation. I, I, if, if I was a coach, that's what I would implement. I liked it. I don't want to criticize. But in a way, again, in a game like this with so much at stake, you, you, know, you wish or you hope that your coach or whomever at the time is in charge of the club is not trying to reinvent the wheel, right? And JJ's been criticized over the years for going into the Dragon with W. Luis at left back and this and that. And sometimes it's worked, right? The last time we went in there, I don't think anybody expected Tavares and Grimaldo, and it worked. Uh, we were able to come away with a 1-1 draw at the Dragon. But it's it just you start messing around with things with the limited options that you have available at your disposal due to the COVID and stuff. I just don't think it was the smartest thing to do. Now, Benfica, I don't feel they were ever into the game at any point. I mean, they seemed like they, they, they had a grasp of things for like five minutes, just my reading of the game. I don't think Benfica was comfortable at all at any time. There was way too much space behind the, the, those three defenders, as we were talking about. Sporting was able to exploit them. So much so, they played a ball the, down the left side to Nuno Santos and Jardel. Uh, trying to cover and, and obviously, you know, he beat him to the spot, but at the same time, pulled his hamstring, had to be substitution. This substituted, uh, forced an early sub. What was that? 15th minute, something like that, guys? 10, 10. 10. Well, even earlier. Uh, the one good thing about that was that then they, you know, pushed back, uh, brought in Gabriel and dropped back, uh, Vigo, who to me was Benfica's best player in the match. Um, and we'll get into, um, you know, what led up to the goal, I think that was the one mistake he made the whole game. But I thought, to me, he was the best player in the game. He's a guy that I often ask here on, uh, in recent podcasts, what player on this Benfica team is is playing better than last year? What player is punching above their weight? And that's the guy, as you guys mentioned last time, I believe, he's the one guy that's obviously playing a lot better than what we um, saw of last season. And so I was glad that, that, that he's able to turn things around. He played really well. But it's still, again... Uh, might sound a little bit confusing for you guys listen because I'm such a big fan of, of the three five two or three four three even but you the problem is you need to have the horses that system is a phenomenal system to play but I think you need to have the players to implement that system because if you don't then you're in trouble and we saw that um you know with the three center backs look they're all 
nice players and in, in they're you know on their own. But neither of the three, Jardel, Jardel, the one thing he used to have before was speed. But as he got older, he's kind of lost a step. Otamendi, thank the good Lord we have Otamendi because I think he's been phenomenal over the last couple of weeks for, for this Benfica side. But another guy that's not the quickest of foot. And then Vertonghen, he's not the quickest of foot. So uh, that's the one thing that worried me going into that game. And obviously not having watched the game, Alfredo and Dave. Um, that was definitely a weak a weakness of ours, and it kind of helped out that Jardel got hurt, and you had to drop uh, Vigo because he does have the wheels, and I thought he played spectacularly. It just so happens that you didn't have the right piece um, to replace uh, Vigo in the middle of the park, which was so crucial. Gabriel comes in, he looks he looks like a rock star at times, and other times he looks like he doesn't belong on the field. So um, that's the way I saw the game, guys. Yeah, no. I, look, I I don't dislike the the three four three or the three five two or whatever. Uh, but when you play with with three center backs, one of those guys has to be able to come out of the back with the ball. Um, and when you when you play Jardel Otamendi and Vertonghen, uh, three guys that are positional center backs, um, that's where I felt the flaw was in there. Um, See, yes. I think Vertonghen. I think Vertonghen could actually come out. He might not, but I think he could. I think he could pick out a pass. That my concern with him was the speed. I'm afraid. Just keep going. I'm just that was my my. Yeah. My, I think Vertonghen could actually pick out a pass. No, uh, look, I I, 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 I think that when we've had Weigel there building uh, with those with the two center backs, I think it, it works because he can pick out a pass as well as. Uh, be able to 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 step up on the field and 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 run with the ball, um, but uh, I thought that this was uh, this was odd uh, and extremely limiting for Bifika's defense uh, in terms of the three guys that are playing in the back. Um, Jardel, as Cristiano mentioned, got hurt. Uh, Weigel had to go back in, into the into the spot, and I think that after Sporting's initial. Um, Come at us, if you, if you will, uh, and they were continuing, continuing trying to explore Jardel's uh, uh, back. Um, it was it was refreshing, and it, it, and I noticed that Weigel solidified the defense. He brought a little bit more consistent to the to the to the defense, but at the same time, Gabriel came in, and he wasn't mentally ready to play this. To, to come in and, and play this game, made a lot of mistakes. If he couldn't hold the ball in the midfield, uh, and then Pizzi, you know, we know that Pizzi sometimes will go missing on these big games. Um, I don't know if it's because of the way he's marked. I don't know if because he, sh- he shies away, whatever. Uh, but the point is that Benfica could not do anything uh, in the midfield. And, and I got to be honest, uh, I thought that Sporting was – was superior uh, than Befica. They took advantage of their speed uh, of their young guns uh, up front, whether it was Costa, whether it was Rodrigues, whether it was um, that other kid, uh, what a Tomash um, up front. Uh, I thought they did well to to explore that. I thought that Befica had a couple combination plays, uh, one where Pizzi had a shot that was very close in the 19th minute. Uh, but after that, I don't think Befica did much. Um, and I felt that Sporting was the better team, really, playing at home. Uh, the way they were playing, I thought they also grew in confidence in terms of how they approached the game. Um, and I think that uh, – and then you got Trafa, who looked like he picked up a knock 
before the uh, end of the half. Ended up the ha- ended up um, getting treatment at the halftime and being able to recover for second half and coming out and actually played played decent. He was you know one of our better players in the second half. Yeah, he was hobbling. You, but that's that's yeah. the word I was looking for. He was hobbling, uh, and at the end of the half, and almost you know sacrificing himself just to cover his guy. Uh, so Rafa, who had been the one uh, bright spot in Benfica's game where he could uh, get the ball and, and with his speed to explore the spaces and get behind guys, um, really all of a sudden is not well. Befica hasn't done much. Rafa seems to be the only catalyst in this team. And now all of a sudden, Rafa can barely walk. He's, he's hobbled. Yeah, but he's barely I'll, done. Alfredo, but we had a couple of, we had a couple of the chances in the game. I just think our, our decision making was atrocious. We had a, a, a five on two or whatever it was where everybody collapsed on Darwin and all he had to do was pick his head up and, and make a pass to the yeah. left. And he'd have three teammates all alone, basically like walking in on goal. And it just, and, and I'm using that one play because obviously that was the most, that was the one right in front of everything. That was in the second half. Point, yeah. Right. But, but just overall, we're, 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 we're doing okay to get into, I don't even want to call it our, our opponent's third, but we get over midfield and right as we're getting into the, to their third, we seem to forget how to play soccer. Our decision making is terrible. Our, uh, you know, we just don't complete the passes we're supposed to complete. We just go into complete panic mode. These guys, I mentioned it over and over and over again. They have the ball on their feet and it's like a hot potato. A lot of these guys don't want it. Don't want it. And Peasy is one of the few guys that does. And, and, but, the guy's limited when other guys are nowhere to be around him, and we all know he goes missing in big games. The other guy is Gabriel. He loves to have it, but sometimes, like, bro, we wish he didn't love to have it as much as he does. Uh, Tarapt is slow. Uh, he did come into the game. I thought he when he came in, he looked lively, and then obviously we reverted back to, to what we've seen over the last couple of weeks. thing is that when we do get into a dangerous position, we just, we're just not making the best of it, man. We're just – it's just – you know, we get with the stupid stick, and our decision making is absolutely atrocious. I don't think Sporting was dominant by any stretch of the imagination. I do agree with you, Alfredo. They were better. They were a better team, but I don't think. I think if we came away with a nil-nil draw, I think it would have been a fair result. Benfica didn't do enough to obviously win the game. Sporting did a little bit more, but I don't think it was enough to win the game. There wasn't like they were, you know. Coming down on Vlaco Dimas, and we just, you know, uh, you know, walking away and, and, and thanking a good Lord that we didn't get scored on. Look, they were better, but not anything spectacular. And again, I was, it, it, gave, it brought me until that goal, it brought me confidence. Like, you know, this team in first place that everybody's raving about, and here we are stuttering and struggling for whatever reason you want to sit there and point at, right? I brought up COVID. You bring this up. They brings it. Whatever reason we all want to come up here and concoct and say, look, this is the reason why Benfica is not doing well. At the end of the day, we were still a minute away from coming away with a nil-nil draw, right? At our, uh, our you know, nemesis from across town. And and then they just, our, our team had, had a mental fart, right? Vigo, I understand he might have been exhausted, whatever it may be, but Vigo could not let that ball drop. Once he let that ball drop, then it started, caused all the problems. You know, it had the domino effect for everyone in the back. I don't think anyone of, uh, on Benfica squad played that play, that whole play. I don't think once the ball drops, once Vigo lets it drop, I think then you can pinpoint 
uh, point your finger at, 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 at everybody on the field at that point because I don't think anybody did a good job of, of trying to defend that or clear or do anything. I don't think they did anything. I just think they everybody's ball watching and is kind of hoping that, you know, they didn't go in. Dave, if, uh, if the Porto game, um, we needed to match the, with the physicality in, in order to play eye to eye with Porto, what do you think, uh, we needed against this sporting team? It's hard to say because this is a, a sporting team that ne not necessarily has had our, our number, um, in, in, pre uh, past history. Um, so if anything, they were coming at, they were going to be the ones to come in and, and bully us around kind of the reverse of what we, how we played against Porto. But I think how we lined up for the set up for this match and what we, uh, were playing, we were playing not to, not to lose, right? Not to, uh, increase that, that, uh, margin of six points, uh, between us and Sporting. And like Chris said, I don't think we did enough necessarily to uh, deserve uh, the victory in the three points, but the way that this team was set up and the, the way that this team was was playing, I think they were playing not not to lose, and uh, unfortunately, um, it, it backfired on us right at the the last possible moment, and we didn't have uh, enough time to go back and uh, get that equalizing goal, right? But but uh, from what I saw in this game, they played not to lose, and uh, it bit them in the ass. No, I, I agree with, uh, with both of you guys. I agree with Cristiano when he says that uh, that Sporting wasn't dominant over Benfica. Um, but my feeling is at the end of the game and as we go into the – at a time in the second half, uh, you know, I'm looking at the result and I'm not displeased with the result, right, because – um, I felt that the tie was an okay result for us because of what we did. Uh, and I really felt that Sporting was perhaps did more than us. They wanted it more than us. And I think that when you look at a team and, and a team that wants it more, uh, if at the end of the game they're rewarded with a goal, that just goes in hand with the sacrifice and, and the extra push that they have, that they wanted it more. And at the end of the day, they were rewarded by it. Um, I did feel that the, the tie was a good result for Benfica. But then when I saw Sporting score, uh, it really said a lot about, you know, where when you got to dig deep, there was only one team that dug deep. Um, and Benfica, who desperately needed this win, just didn't have enough for the Sporting team. Look, Alfredo, Dave, guys listening, gals listening, we all know. Right, this is not news to us. We all know that when anybody in Portugal plays against Benfica, it's their Super Bowl, right? Regardless if it's Porto or Sport, I don't care if it's a big club or small club. When they play against Benfica, everybody brings it, okay? But it seems like this year in particular, man, like it seems like that effort is emphasized even more. I don't know if you guys get that. It just seems that these guys they, they have this hatred towards Benfica, and these guys maton studs, bro. And you see, even Sporting, the kid Tomas, you're talking about. He's always talking to like these guys just despise playing against Benfica. I don't know if it's the hundred million dollars spent. I don't know if it's all the hoopla in the media, but you can tell these guys when it's time to play Benfica, that level is amped up triple, quadruple. And I know year after year we see this, 
But I think this year is taking it to another level. I don't know if it's just me or you guys. And that's, I'm not making excuses for Benfica because I think Benfica has to match that, obviously, right? Yeah, maybe it's uh, they can smell uh, blood in the water, right? They know that Benfica is not clicking on all uh, on all cylinders, and they can they're trying to exploit us. And who knows? It also could be that we don't have the uh, the twelfth man, the crowd. Um, because I don't think we've we've talked about that in, enough yet on this podcast of how how the pod could or uh, the pod how the uh, crowd could have um what effect the crowd has on could have had on this season both positive and, and negative right the I think we've mentioned that uh, the players uh, and some players in particular that haven't been uh, having their best uh, season so far. Crowd could have been on on them too, but the crowd can also work in favor of this club. And uh, unfortunately, just with all the uh, circumstances going on about COVID, we haven't had anybody uh, in the stadium for most of the season, right? So I think uh, there's two factors right there. Now, Dave, I think you're correct. But, dude, I I think it comes a point that you as a player, as a profession, you have to look yourself. And I mentioned this on two pods ago. You have to look yourself in the mirror. You have to say, what the hell could I do better? What can I change in order to be better? We're now nine points behind the leaders, okay? Last time this happened, I don't even know, 10 years, 13, 12 years, whatever the hell it was, okay? It's been a long time. These players need to have pride, man. They need to um, just, you know, make the decision that they – they this can't be happening at Bifiki. They need to understand what Bifikijumu is. And whether you got fans or not, that excuse has to go out the window. They absolutely have to perform. And I don't think any of the three of us here – would be upset if Benfica went into Avalad, lost the game 1-0 just like they did. But you've seen the effort. You've seen the garra. You see them freaking have the same attitude that's, that we saw at the Draco. That's all we've asked over and over and over and over again. Now, when they're out there and we all know that this game is ultra important and we're over there just playing, uh, you know, Dave, you said scared to lose. You, you're on to that. But I, I, I think that they were just playing for a draw. They were content with the draw. And and I think if they came over with the draw, they would have been right because look, you get these players back off of COVID and you know, and they can start feeling like themselves and the Lucas Verissum comes in and maybe it helps and make a change. Maybe they were right. But the fact of the matter is that at the end of the day, they fell short. So the players need to step up. You read uh, today all the play, the coppers came out, the Luizão, obviously I'm not surprised at this one. Luizão was, was okayed and, 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 uh, and how do I put it? And basically pushed, right? You know, by, 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 by the, by the president to go get in the players' faces, right? Oh, he gave us, given the green lights on, go push and get in their faces. But bro, I mean, does it really have to take Luizão to do this after, you know, game after game? You know? When do these players realize that what they're doing has been absolute shit? They haven't played anywhere up to their capabilities. That this has been Fika. This is not acceptable being nine points out. Bro, you're nine points out. And as I mentioned before, still one more game to go in round one. We're nine points out. As a player, don't you take pride in that? Do you need recourse? And I'm not defending anybody. But do you need recourse to... To come down and, and you know, grab you by the neck? Do you need Luizão? George Zou? Who do you need? If you're a leader in this locker room and you know what the hell the history is of Sport Lisboa Benfica, you cannot be happy with this. 
And if you got a, I don't want to slap is in term, you know. But if you got to, you know, rub some smelling salt, right? I don't want to say slap because some people get offended. If you if you got to rub some smelling salt in people's nose, if you got to wake the shit out and wake these guys up, I should say, right? You got to do what you got to do. This is freaking unacceptable. But this is from the top to the bottom. But at the end of the day, the only guys that control this, that really have control on the whole situation, is the players. The players control their effort. The players control their attitude. You might not like the coach's tactics from a 3-5-2 to a 3-4-3, three, three, a 4-5, a 1-3, whatever the hell formation you want to come up with. You control your performance. You control how much effort you put forth, right? And you can't tell me you're on this team, you know the history of this club, and you wear the shirt with pride that you're that, that you're okay with what the hell's been going on on this field. It shouldn't take... For Louis Zong. It shouldn't take for no. These players at the end of the day need to realize that they represent Sportly's boy Benfica and they need to step it up. This is freaking unacceptable. And all everyone's doing, right? Social media, papers, TV, friend, whatever the hell, man. I I go see a I, I go to the supermarket to get bread, and the guy back there is bitching and complaining, pointing. Everybody is just pointing fingers. And one another, this is not solving anything. Yeah, I think you hit the, the nail right on the head. I think that um, if there's anything that needs to be changed, it has to come from the players because they're responsible for the product on the field. Um, and heading into this game, you got you, you got two different approaches, right? You got a team that um, if they lose, um, it's three points that they lose, and and the difference is shortened. Um, they were never going to relinquish first place. They were always going to keep that uh, that advantage. Uh, and then you got a Bifika team who comes into this game that desperately needs to uh, to win, right? Because, uh, yeah, I can understand, and I certainly understand what you're saying in terms of COVID uh, and everything that's affecting this club as of late, and perhaps a 1-1 will be the, the, least, um, the least of the two evils, right? Uh, but the fact of the matter is that the players didn't play like they wanted to get these three points back. Um, and Sporting really didn't play like they were okay with either a tie or a loss. They played to win. But Alfredo, you did. In the next minute, you saw me figure kind of like, uh, now? <laughs> yeah, now with now, 30 now seconds left. Now you want to pick up the tempo. Now. Come on. That's got to be, look, coaching staff, that's got to be, you know, told these guys and just get in their brain, right, programmed in their brain from the beginning of the game. The one thing you said, Alfredo, and I thank you, you know, at the end of the day, Spartan wasn't going to give up first place. To them, they were cool. Benfica's the one that needed this win. But not that, and again, it's my opinion. Not that Sporting played this game. Oh, my God. Oh, man, they were ultra impressive. Whew. Yo, Sporting, huh, this team, huh, they're going to go undefeated. Nobody's going to catch them. No, nothing like that. But if you looked at the game without being a Sporting, if you're a Portuguese soccer fan, you're just a, a soccer fan from, from Ethiopia, and you put on the game and I tell you, this team, there's a team on this field right now that needs to win this game or else they fall nine points behind. And this other team, if they lose, oh, well, they're still in first place. Take a guess which one it was. Nine out of ten people say Sporting is a team that's, that that needs to win this game because of their input, because of their attitude. Because as we saw, 
at least they look like they won the game. Unlike Benfica. You think Benfica is the one that's like, oh, well, we lose. <laughs> it's all good. We're still in first place. And that's just, bro, that's 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 not what we want to see. It's not a pretty sight. Dave, do you feel that the uh, absence of JJ from the sideline uh, had something to do with it? No, I don't. I don't think so. Just the, it, as if I don't think JJ. We haven't seen that um, that animated JJ on the sideline, anyways, this season. So I don't think he would have made um, a difference. I'm sure he had. He still had his input on how this team lined up, and I'm I'm sure that he was in communication with whoever, whether it was those uh, that was managing the team or if it was another assistant on the bench. I'm sure that he was in somebody's ear and there was communication throughout the game, but um, I don't I don't want to put the blame on uh, on JJ for this. Not Like we've said, I think it, it's got to fall on, on the, these players. These are the same players that blew the seven-point lead last season and have made the bed in the past for uh, for Laje and Vitoria as well. Like At some point, it's got to fall on these players and they got to take responsibility for it as well. Things are so bad at Benfica that one of the very few times in the history of you of humanity, we go from Jesus to God and we still get a negative result. I mean, ah, nice one. I like it. <laughs> did you know? No, I'm joking. <laughs> did, did you know that Jesus is the one that performs miracles? Did you know that Boavista finally got their second victory of the uh, season this year? Yay. <laughs> Look, I think I I um I think Dave is spot on. Uh, anyone trying like myself trying to defend JJ based on what we've seen all year? Come on, man, it's it's hard. But I I, I actually, but I I do think I don't I don't know if we get a different result. But I but I do think JJ on the sideline, right? It, maybe the players react to him differently. You know what I mean? Like you, oh, Alfredo, you you know, Dave, you know, you always respect it. The teacher, the coach, more so than the assistant coach or the substitute teacher. <laughs> you know what I mean? You just always do. But and then, we'll, how about the other fifteen games? No, but I just, uh, Dave, Dave, I agree. I just, Dave, you don't have to. Ju- I said you're right. You're right. I. It's hard to say that JJ would have made a difference based on his what we've done over the last. You're 100 percent correct. But I'm just giving you the example that we always ju- look. We're always friendlier with the with the assistant coach. We go to the assistant coach and tell, yo, coach, I'm better than Alfredo, man. Come on, Alfredo's garbage. Why don't you let me play? You don't go say that to the coach. All right, Alfredo. You don't say that to him, man. Unless, you know, some guys do. I used to, and then I used to get punished. But, you know, you do. But most of the time, you treat the substitute teacher or you have, I don't want to say you were disrespectful, but you have a lack of that awareness or that initial respect for a substitute teacher than you do your regular teacher on a daily basis. So for that reason alone, I like to think that we could have, you know, JJ could have made it a little different. Maybe on one player or two players. I don't know. But I like to think that, that he would. Yeah. Not only um, not only will Benfica have to be uh, perfect in, a, in the remaining uh, games and assuming that uh, they can take three from, from Sporting, that's three from nine, and uh, three from Porto, three from five on the head-to-head. Uh, but now you're looking at a situation that Sporting has to lose six points, and Porto has to lose a game for Benfica. What, what Do you think this, this is still possible for Benfica, or, 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 or that's all she wrote? Look, I'll say this. Benfica won a possible 20, 
23 out of 25 games on the Rui Vitoria, so I don't see why they can't do it on the George Jesus. <laughs> That's one. But look, as I said on last week's podcast, in a regular season, in a regular not season, in a regular year, yeah, we you know, put the nail in the coffin. Yeah, you know, we're we're kaput. I mean, we're gonna fight, right? But realistically, our odds. But like like I said, we're in a COVID year. Just like Benfica had, what, 11 players out two weeks ago? It could be Braga. It could be Porto. I don't know about Porto. But it could be Sporting. You know what I'm saying? Somewhere. We don't know. That's the only reason why I haven't completely given up. Now, we lose to Guimarães. We go to 12. Then, yeah, forget it. Forget it. They could get the whole team on COVID. We're still not catching up. You know what I mean? Uh, but just there's always that possibility because of the unknown. This is so new to us. We don't know... What the hell is going to go on with anybody? We don't know if the guys that we have are going to catch COVID again. You know, odds are no, but the odds are we don't know, right? At the end of the day, we really don't know. So because of that possibility, Alfredo, I haven't completely uh, shut the door. Yeah, I don't, I'm not as hopeful as you are. Um, and I do understand that as long as it's still mathematical po- possible that we should continue to fight. I just... Um, I just don't 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 see the fight in this team. I don't see uh, the players playing with pride. I don't see the players uh, digging down deep uh, to give a little bit more. Uh, and it's a shame. It's a shame because I think as a Benfiquista and many other Benfiquistas, we had great expectations for this season. Uh, and as we were ready to uh, finish up the first half, um, if somebody said uh, with JJ and a hundred million in players. You're going to be in fourth place, uh, two points away from Pasfreda, who's in fifth place. Um, at the end of the half, I would have said, get the fuck out of here. Uh, those would have been my, those would have been my words. Those would have been my words to that person. We got to beep that. We got to <laughs> Dave, um, done for you. Yeah. I've already started to prepare myself mentally for, uh, the, uh, the, most most likely outcome that's going to happen this season because you know what I, I I've I don't enjoy watching this group of players and this group of players that go, that forms this team play the the soccer that we're watching right now so I've for my own uh, men, mental uh, health here I've already tried to prepare myself on what the outcome is and if hey if they are able to make this nine point gap, then it's uh, it's all gravy at the end of this year. But uh, I'm already trying to prepare myself mentally that uh, it's not going to happen this year. Man, what I want to know is whose stupid idea was it for Cristiano to be positive this year? That's what I'm because I tell you, it doesn't hurt as much when you're negative. This is this is like I think I'm I'm. I'm getting payback for, I don't know, the last five years, six, seven years, because there's this positive, sh- I mean, it hurts. You know, Harry, I'm positive. I'm trying to, man, it hurts. I'd rather just be pessimistic and say, yo, we're not winning today. Because right, that at least when we, when we lose, we lose. Like, okay, I was expecting that. And Alfredo, I, I, I understand that, that 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 feeling that that we've been let down. I understand crazy expectations. You know, I'm going to, at the end of the year, I'm going to have to buy a, a farm, an actual pig farm because of all the late toys that I've bet that I'm going to have to give everybody. I think, you know, it's going to be cheaper than just going to Valencia and buying late toys for everybody. It's 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 going to be very painful, man. It's going to be very painful. But, you know, I, I'm still lighting up my little velinas and, uh, 
You know, and JJ, babe, when you got Jesus and God on your side, praise the Lord, everything is possible. We just, we're just missing the Holy Spirit now, the Holy Trifecta. Mm -hmm. Look, I, and look, and maybe perhaps this is being in this position, <clears throat> and this is the, the positivity in me, being in this position and understanding that there's um, some kind of a mental block with this team that the team show is is very nervous, is very anxious. Maybe being this many points back will now relieve some pressure on this team, and they will finally play, you know, free of pressure. And maybe they could find themselves in a position where they could find for the championship in, in the last quarter of uh, of this championship. Yeah, but look, we didn't get your thoughts on this. Dave brought this up. You mentioned fans, right? But I'm afraid if you're saying these guys are playing with this type of pressure right now. Hence why they're playing like garbage. Could you imagine what the pressure would be, Alfred, if they actually have fans in them? I always said the no fans favors the smaller sides. But if this team's playing this bad because of pressure, could you imagine what the fans screaming every day? And I think a, it's, lot, a lot of these guys muted or deleted their accounts. At the stadium, they can't silence people if you know we're allowed fans. And, I, and I'll tell you why. And, and I don't think the, the fan base would help. And I'll tell you why, because of what happened in October and because how divided Mifika was. Uh, it's hard for me to even fathom that as the team goes through this poor form, right? And fans, let, let's say the fans are in the stadium, right? And the team is going through this poor form period. At this point, there, there, it, there isn't no unison support from the stands because it's never going to be about the team. It's always going to be about the guys that voted for Vieira and the guys that didn't vote for Vieira. The guys that didn't vote for Vieira, they're not going to support this team. The guys that voted for Vieira, they will support this team up until a point. So there's never going to be a wave of unison um, in the stadium supporting this team because as things are bad, the first reaction is, you know, 68%, 63%. Ooh, whatever it was, yeah, yeah. So let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Let's say we, 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 it was normal. Things were normal. Can't wait for that to happen, right? And we got the 65,000 screaming and hollering at Stade de Luz and we're still getting the same results. Let's say we're right now. Just the only thing is that the world is normal, right? With with everybody being able to free and do to do whatever the hell they want. Do you think that right now the atmosphere at the lose would be one of pressure? Do you think that now, you know, you mentioned this prior to getting into this conversation of, of sporting and even bullness, right? You'll go you'll get into recourse in a minute. But do you think that if fans were allowed into the stadium, do you think that Lucio Vieta would have showed would have would have would have had to show his face by now. Do you think that these 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 disasters, right? These these results that have been absolutely pathetic. Do you think that they would have maybe put some pressure on them to resign because now you got fans handkerchief? Like like, do you think it would have affected the club as far as the hierarchy up top um, any differently than what it's affecting now? Oh yeah, I think that there's one. There's public demonstrations. Of displeasure, uh, it's the, the structure is always going to take notice. Um, I just think that because of everything that 
that happened before the season and in, in, in the electoral period. Uh, I think that the benefit of the doubt kind of went away where the guys that, well, I don't believe in the president and I don't believe in, in, in the route that he's going to or, or, you know, whatever way he's going to take this, this club in. I don't believe in. But shit, I'm going to support this team. No, there's that benefit of the doubt has gone out the window. So I think that right now um, there'll be a public outcry in the stadium, outside the stadium, uh, against this directive, against this team. Um, I don't know. It, and, and the pressure might even be worse for the players than, than they are right now. I think it would. I think the pressure will be will be 10 times higher than what it is now. But I don't think, I don't think Alfredo, I don't think thing like what you just mentioned, I don't think it'll ever get better uh, going forward to Benfica because today's, and, and today, I don't, I'm not trying to take this out of football, but it's real easy for people nowadays to just nag and, and bitch and complain. And a lot more people are more focused on bitching and complaining and supporting and trying to look at things negative, positive, positively, I should say. And it's, I, I don't see a, 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 a future president that's going to unite even 75, 80, 90, unless it's a guy that's going to come in, he's going to win on 60% of votes or 55% of votes, and then Befico will have you know, one of those seasons where they clean up the three domestic competitions. Then maybe you know, the fans will unite, but I just don't, I just don't see that unity um, happening at Benfica anytime soon. I, could be, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. Dave, numbers on this game so we can move on. Yep, so this was uh, our first loss to Sporting at the Avalad in uh, league play since uh, April 2012. Um, further to our, our discussion whether or not we'd make this uh, nine-point deficit, uh, never in the league's history has a club come back from nine points behind the leader to become uh, champions. So uh, we've got that to look forward to. Uh, Benfica hasn't been uh, nine points behind the leaders at this stage of the competition since 2007-2008 uh, season. And uh, we didn't even touch upon uh, Darwin at all in our recap, but uh, Cristiano's boy was uh, caught offside uh, four times against Sporting and now leads the league in offsides with uh, 19 Hey, at least he leads the league in some for $25 million. That's not yeah. bad. And uh, he leads the league in assists also, I believe. So uh, he must be learning uh, the offsides from uh, Safero Beach. Uh, no, the, the thing that I found kind of curious about uh, Darwin's offsides is that usually the referees will, will let the play develop um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll call it if it's clear. If it's not clear, we'll go to the VAR. Uh, and a couple of times Darwin got whistled right away. The the, mm -hmm. the the ref didn't even allow the play to continue. Um, I thought it was kind of – and he was – on one, he looked like he was borderline. On the other one, he looked like he was offside. Uh, and both got whistled right away, which I thought it was kind of strange because usually referees have been instructed and, and assistant referees have been instructed to let the play develop uh, and then throw the flag if it's if it was offside. Two things. One, it's a question, and the other one, I'll make my point first before I make. It. I don't like that. I don't like that. Let it play on if he's offside, because 
it, you get it like Sporting had one of one of those in the first half where Vlaco Dimos saved the one on one with that kid Tomas. But let's say you allow that play to go on, right? And now Tomas is coming in on a breakaway with Vlaco Dimos. Vlaco Dimos lives as like and let's say he hits his head on the player's knee. Now he's out with a concussion for a play that should have been blown dead. So I don't like that. I don't like that. Right. And plus the player, the striker, but Tomas could have torn his knee. You know, whatever. I just don't like that. You're going to allow these guys to partake in a play that, that that's going to be invalid anyway. That was that's my point. But the question to you, Alfredo, was I know you said the referee's been instructed, right, to let it go. But, but what if it's and I'm not saying that was the case with Darwin, because you're right. And a couple of them, it looked close. But what if it's like, bro, he's, he's off sides. Like, he's so damn clear. Well, why the hell am I going to allow this play? Like, mm-hmm. Here, blow the whistle. I'm asking. Right? Shouldn't it be like that? I mean, if it's clear offsides, why the hell not blow it? Yeah, but I've also seen clear offsides not get blown right away in other leagues. No, I'm not talking about the Portuguese. That's the mandate. The mandate is that you let you let the play develop. You let yes. the play develop, and then if you need to call it back, you call it back. That's stupid. It is it's clear offsides. I'm not saying that I disagree with you, Cristiano. Yeah. I'm just saying that that's what the that's what the ruling is from FIFA. Okay. Stupid. But whatever. yeah, Dave. Um, winter transfer window closed out, uh, what, yesterday? Uh, Befica not, not very active in terms of, uh, incoming, but I'll go and we cleaned up a little bit of house. What's, uh, what happened in this uh, transfer window, Dave? Yeah, it all seemed to happen this, uh, this past weekend, but, uh, Ferru was, uh, loaned out to Valencia. Toldivo was, uh, I don't know if he was loaned or sold to Nice, but he's gone. He's no longer with uh, with the club. Um, he went over to Nice in France. Uh, Jetson came back from Tottenham only to be loaned back out to Galatasaray. Uh, Ferreira, was, uh, his contract was uh, rescinded with the club, uh, so he's now a uh, free agent. And uh, in terms of the incoming, uh, Lucas Verissimo is uh, is coming in from Santos and has been registered. And Jermaine uh, Conti has also been uh, registered for the uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, I think Todibo was uh, was on loan because if you remember, I think he had a, a buyout clause of I don't know how many million. Um, but yeah, he, he, I think he went uh, think on loan to, to, to yeah, he went on loan two million, to two million for the loan and twenty million option. Denise. So, um, with all the, the the holes that Benfica has in this roster, the only thing that they were able to uh, bring was uh, Lucas Verissim. And Conti. Uh, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> JJ is going to have another look at it, and he, at him, he's going and he's going to probably go the way of Ferreira. Um, just just be a number. Um, certainly during COVID, you need a deep squad, and and after uh, giving up. Um, Ferro and now Jardel, uh, which seems in the past few years to spend more time in the in the training room than uh, than on a field. Um, maybe you do, you do need that uh, Conti uh, to shore up uh, to shore up your defense. But um, I doubt so, Conti is worse than Morato, Alfredo. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I yeah, doubt but, but still surprised at all. Surprised at all that uh, the only move we made was for Vrish. Shocked. shocked, absolutely shocked. Shocked. We all know this team's got weaker problems, uh, weaker problems, weaker holes to fill. They absolutely shocked. When 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 we came into this uh, transfer window, I was assured by by 
like people very close to the situation to the club. I was going to say situation to the club that they they were going to bring in at least another midfielder. I knew the central was coming all along, but he's right. But I, I thought uh, I was told that another central was coming, um, another midfielder was coming, and possibly even another striker. And and all we got was the guy that we've all known since the summer that we'll be joining Benfica in, in, in January. So um, absolutely shocked. We talked about it on the last podcast. We sit here at home in North America, the three of us. And we're able to identify the weaknesses. Now, these guys, and I guess that, that ties this back to Ricosta. These guys that are every day, they're not able to watch. I just, it baffles me. Absolutely baffles me. The only difference in this year, I'm afraid, and that's why I thought there was, there was really a possibility we're going to bring somebody in. It was that we didn't get that normal, Luis Vieira stop, sports to investir 500 millions na janela de inverno, like we see every year. Right? That was the only difference we didn't see. So normally we see that nothing happens. This year I didn't see it. I really expected something to happen. Uh, well, they did announce uh, Pino, but I guess that's over the summer, right? They announced that they come to an agreement with him. They yeah. acquired a player, just not for now. So yeah, I just I don't know, man. Whoever's making these decisions over there, I, I don't know if they're just doing it to uh, dismantle this club and to. It's kind of like you know I'm tired of winning. I'm gonna give somebody else a chance. Maybe they're playing that game. I just I just don't understand what the hell's going on. Do we have to start questioning the uh, finances and whether or not there are there's no money to be uh, to spend? I think if we transfer. miss out in the Champions League, if we miss out in the Champions League top three for next year, then yes. But if we do for even if I mean obviously we don't want to finish third, but if we do, I think we'll be we'll be all right. No, I, I look a, a whole season without fans is is clearly. Uh, a huge, 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 huge uh, setback in terms of finance and, and, and what you do when balancing your book. So uh, I know that uh, Ming Schwarz uh, Oliveira uh, did say in the beginning of the season that we can't go nuts because of COVID. We don't have plan. Play, uh, we don't have fans. Uh, you know, we have uh, this to cover, that to cover, uh, and we can't be going nuts and buying players and then. A hundred million happened, right? So I don't think there's any money in the in a bank uh, right now. Um, but uh, I, I'm not surprised. I always thought that Vrissim and Jetson were going to be the only guys coming in, and certainly Jetson. I think that Jet from right back to uh, to a number eight. I think that Jetson could do that role and could be a polyvalent and probably a better polyvalent than Chiquinho. I spoke to him yesterday, by the way, and he's very happy with his new opportunity, uh, new opportunity in, in Turkey. Um, look, Alfredo, bring up a great point. COVID, no fans. But, you know, we got the one great wild card in Portuguese football, which is George Mendes. Football Club do Porto is supposed to be bankrupt for four years, but then Mendes comes in, gets this deal, 17, an 18-year-old kid that plays three games for 40 million to Wolves. And you'll see, maybe your boy Thiago Dantas will actually get sold for, for, for you know, a boatload of money. Mendes always steps up for these Portuguese clubs. So, like I said, Champions League football. Dantas is not uh, represented just, by... I was being sarcastic about Dantas. I was sarcasm. I said, who knows? Maybe he'll get sold for something because obviously you know what I feel about him. Um, that was sarcasm. But no, all jokes, I, I do think top three, get that. Well, top three is rough because the third, third place, you have to go to the qualification. We see what happened this year. <laughs> but if we're in Champions League football, we'll be okay. And then if things get really sloppy... Some kid will get sold. Somebody will get Darwin. Somebody, somebody will get sold for for that forty, fifty million dollar range in order to balance the books. I think Benfica will be all right. Yeah, and uh, with with Ferro's departure, also there was there was a, a picture that circulated um, on Twitter. 
which was basically uh, during uh, Lodge's championship and that amazing run that he had, uh, and the group of young players or a group of of uh, Seychelles products, if you if you will, that uh, that took that picture with him. I think it was Diaz, Felix, uh, Ferro, uh, Tino, uh, Jetson. Uh, Yuri Ribeiro was in there also. Um, I forget who else was in there, but that picture circulated. Was that? Zlobin, Jota. Zlobin, Jota, right. Uh, that picture was circulated and Ferro was the last of the Mohicans. He's gone now. Um, the, I'll ask you this and, and, and you and I have gone back and forth and the people that listen to this podcast, uh, know, what your opinion is in terms of supplementing the team with a lot of Seychelles players. Uh, but I think that with all these players leaving, obviously Diaz and Felix uh, were, were ready uh, for the for next jump. But some of these guys, even as they moved on from Benfica to other teams, uh, like Jota, for example, barely gets any time in, in, in Spain. Um, Tino is barely playing at, uh, at, at Monaco. Jetson is now bounced around, ends up in, in, in Turkey. Do you feel that perhaps there's, they're rushing players, uh, into the A team when these players need to earn their stripes, much like Rui Costa earned that FAF and many other guys earned before making the A team? Look. Uh, rather than knock players, right? Because we've seen all these other guys have gone, with the exception of of of, of Jetson. And I'm not thinking because my boy, but with the exception of Jetson, who actually went to a better team than Benfica, Tottenham today is a better team than Benfica. So it was hard to expect. He wasn't getting a lot of playing time at Benfica. You couldn't expect him to get playing time at Tottenham. But everybody else, all the other guys, have gone to, to shit clubs and they struggle to play. You know, the, all these kids, they struggle to play. With these weaker, smaller opposition. So I'm, I'm really not like to, to you guys, to a lot of people, it's a surprise to me. I'm not surprised because I didn't think they were ready. Now, Alfredo, I think that they've seen these, these lottery tickets, right? You know, he's selling the, uh, I've started with really with the first one that went out for big bucks was, uh, what's his name? Renato and then Lindelof, Ederson, uh, Nelson Smith, who, that all the way down to, 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 to Felix, right? And Rubenis was the last one. That now there's this rush to promote these kids, right? Because this is the way that Benfica is going to make money. That's how they're going to build their hospital, their, their new, their new bridge, their new airport, right? They're trying to pr- push these kids and pump these kids up, up the chain, even though they're not ready. The one thing that Alfredo, you, my friend, my dear old friend, well, you would always talk about this here on a podcast. It was a year you and I were in Portugal together to watch Benfica. We went to watch Felix, whatever, and you kept recalling the one interview by Elder, the former Benfica captain, center back, even played at the national team. He was the coach of the B team at the time, and you kept mentioning that. You reverted to that conversation, that interview, multiple times on our podcast. If you guys go back and listen to old pods, you'll see Alfredo talking about how important it was for these players to get, you know the number, because I forget what, 65. Okay, see, I knew. See, you know. It was so important for these guys to get 85 games under their belt on the B team because that's how they mature. That's how you got these guys around, with the exception of the one stellar kid that, you know, stood out, right? And, and that's all gone by the way. So we saw Tomas Tavares after, what, 19 perform, 19 appearances on the B team, get promoted, starting in the Champions League. It just No, he, he went from the juniors to the, to the whatever, Champions whatever. League. They they've they just totally went 
you know, off the script. They something that was working to perfection, right? It, they just they say, you know what? We're gonna we're just gonna we're gonna go on a fly. Fuck it. They're all they're all tremendous. Pump pump them all up here. That's it. We're gonna sell them all for a hundred million dollars. And they start giving kids clauses, 120 mil, 185. And these kids' heads explode. And then no wonder they don't want to wait because they think, look, I'm just as good as Ron Felix. Well, maybe you're not. Maybe you were when you were 14. Maybe at 16 you were better than Felix. But not at 20. And somebody needs to ground these guys. And, you know, you get the agents in Portugal pumping these kids up, and I don't blame the kids. Look, man, I'm, I, I'm going to go to Atletico Madrid. I'm going to go to, to freaking Man United, Chelsea. What, I'm going to get eight, 20, 30 times more than what I'm making now. Let's go. But somebody needs to, to, to sit down with these kids and say, look, you're not playing on this B team because of punishment. You're not playing on this B team because we don't think you're good enough. We don't think you have a bright future with us. You're playing on this B team because we want to make sure, my friend, that when we promote you, that you're successful. Okay? We want to give you the best opportunity possible to be successful. So you have to believe in in our in, in the process. This is the way we do things. And I think you start telling kids that, right? Start giving them the examples of the amount of kids that have been promoted to this team and have done nothing. Not every kid is Ron Felix. Not every kid is Ruben Diaz, Ratsa. And I know we have a nice list of guys that have come out and have done well. That's phenomenal. You're not going to get everyone right. But you have to convince the kids that if the more prepared you are, the better I prepare you for the next level, the better you are prepared for success. And this is only going to benefit you in the end. And in return, it's going to benefit us. Somebody yep. needs to have these conversations rather than say, oh, let's, let's go. Let's get this kid out of here because we need to, to, to you know, fatten our pockets. This is the wrong mentality. You you got a classic case going on right now with Dumaro and Balo, um, who Benfica has presented with a contract. He doesn't want to sign. Uh, he has a contract till twenty twenty two. Obviously, being pressured by his uh, by his agent, who is uh, not the most uh, uh, cleanest of, of of people, if you will. Um, but Benfica is threatened to. Um, to basically have him trained by himself until 2022. I don't think they threatened. I think they actually followed through with it. <laughs> right. But look, uh, it happens. It happens at every club. That happens at every club. The only thing I disagree with what's out on Twitter is that, well, these players want to leave because they know George Jesus. And I keep going back to George Jesus on this. You're right, guys. You haters are absolutely. George Jesus doesn't like good players. He only wants the bad ones. That's it. Because if these kids have quality, George is going to turn around. He's going, no, no, no. I'd rather win with uh, whatever you guys want to say he wants to win. Look, at the end of the day, his agent's presenting him with a <laughs> offer with a salary four or five times more than what he's making right now. And at the end of the day, his agent is pushing that move through because his agent is getting a commission out of it. It ain't because the agent is interested in the kid's best interest. It's because the agent is getting a commission out of it. So stop trying to be real pretty and point at Jesus and point at this, point at that. No, it's the it's the, the greedy agents that are trying to make a buck out of it. Yeah, but I'll I'll, I'll let me put it this way, uh, Cristiano. Um, I do I do agree that George Jesus likes good players, regardless of your age. And he said that before. Regardless of if you're good, you're playing, regardless of your age. But uh, here's the thing. While with JJ, maybe you have one, two openings for 
if you're good with other guys, you might have other openings. But with that school of thought, maybe that's why we're in a position we are right now oh, because the Tavares kids were not ready uh, to, to play in this team. And we see a depth chart of this team of players that are not ready to play for this team. But I'm afraid, look, there's very few people in this world that I respect more than you, but that just sounds dumb, right? With JJ, there's one or two, what other guy, there's more. But wait, if you got, if, if you can't come up with one that's quality, just because you got more chances, that, now you're filling the squad in with, with, with shit, with guys Cristiano. that are ready. Cristiano, look how many players from the B team were given a chance under Lodge. Well, Benfica was seven points out at the top. They, they had nothing to lose. Yeah, but, but, And they lose more chance, more slots or more chances are available for players. But I'm and I'm not saying that that's the When way we should lose. we should go. When you have But, to lose, hear me out. You, you're not you listening to the end of, of my point. My point is perhaps it's been that lackadaisical or that lax approach to the formation in which you want to force promote kids that are not ready that's gotten us to this position oh 100 i mentioned that the 85 games that was key these guys were being mature bro these kids benfica always played the u19 against uh, in a second division in portugal which is against grown men the one game we were at the goalkeeper used to be the i forget his name now right now his case he, he was the goalkeeper he was like Guimarães. many years like him this guy's 40 40 42 at the time playing against your own fellows who were like 16 Yeah. These guys mature. They're playing against grown men. 85 games. That's the number that they like to target. They're not even coming anywhere near that number. No. So how do you expect these guys to be ready to play in first division? If they're not even ready to play in second division, now you expect them to play in first division? It's just, it's like you said, it's just, you know, like cattle. You're just pushing it out the door because you have to serve yeah. beef to everybody. You're, you're di and in the process, you're in a way, you're diluting the quality of the main team. So I get that you, you're saying that's, that, that is a stupid comment on my part, but when you bring this around, now you know why you're in the position that you are uh, because you got players that are clearly were not ready to play uh, for this team. Anyway, let's, let's, um, let's move on. I just, uh, one more thing before we get into the request interview. Uh, Europa, Befica submitted their, their list to the Europa League, League. Uh, Verissim and Kalaika have, uh, have, uh, made the list instead of, uh, Ferro and Toribo, which Wait, were. Did Conti the... make the list? <laughs> Conti did not make the Wait, list. Hold on, hold on. Don't Conti makes the list for the league and no. all. <laughs> no, but it, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't signed. Restrictions, right? Yeah, I know. I'm messing Yeah, that. there's restrictions. And I'm also, fine. Um, Samaris is not in, and he hadn't been in from, from the beginning. Uh, so Samaris is not in. Gonzalo Ramos is not in, but I think that Gonzalo Ramos, I think he fits Because within that, that yeah. B list yeah, yeah. where you really don't have to divulge that. That's an added list that the club provides, uh, UEFA. Um, and a lot of these players are, are the B team, the homegrowns, so on and so forth. I think that Kalaika slots in nice here because he's been at Pefica now for, quite a few years and you got to have a prerequisite of, I don't know how many years, Three years in formation. And right. And yeah. I think that Kalek has been around for that long. I see. Um, like, I'm surprised that, that, that Samadis is not, uh, wasn't added to the list. I got to be honest with you. Yeah. There's something, man, that, that pretty boy, the, the Vinficismo, the speaking perfect Portuguese, 
there's 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 something behind the story. Well, I don't know if um, I I don't we're not if it continues it. to be, but JJ says that the the guy just has problems in terms of injuries and and to remain healthy and at a hundred percent. And Jardel doesn't. Yeah, well, exactly. Jardel is just for possible two games against Arsenal. I mean, it just makes no sense. Yeah. No, anyway, uh, the Costa interview uh, happened uh, today, and that was it was announced uh, already yesterday. Uh, I have to say that the the interview wasn't live; it was uh, recorded. But the interview was recorded after uh, the derby. Um, so. Really quick, I just want to mention something on here that just want to read through some of the things that he, he said. Um, he denied, obviously, that the championship is lost and it will not throw the towel. Uh, also mentioned that it was an atypical season, that the preparation wasn't like they, they wanted. Uh, but he assumes responsibilities and he's he didn't mention any excuses or, or trying to find excuses. And he said, we should all find um, responsibilities. We are all going to assume responsibility. That's what he said. And he said, if we're in a position that we're, we're in right now, it's because we put ourselves uh, in that position. Uh, but the two biggest things that he, the two biggest takeaways, and, and he mentioned this at the end that he wanted to emphasize, is that no one has been authorized to give up uh, on this season. Uh, and that goes for players and the directive, and also that they're going to be looking at what players, not only players, but also the whole staff and, and the whole structure, who has the traits to or the and the quality to remain at Benfica. Uh, that they're going to keeping be keeping a close eye, and those are the two things that that Rui Costa wanted to make sure that came out out of this interview. Um, wait. So last year, when the team took a shit in the middle of the field, went to sleep on Brunelage, they were authorized. Then is that what it is? Like so, like when these guys give up, they're they're authorized. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't know. No one's been authorized. Okay. Well, maybe you should let the guys in the locker room know that they're not authorized to lose games. They, maybe, maybe somebody should tell these guys you're not authorized to be down nine points in the Campeonato in the first half of the season. And that they didn't do their, uh, they didn't do their autopsy after last season and decide on which players to uh, keep. Yeah, it, right? yeah. <laughs> that post mortem didn't go over too well. Um, he also man- mentioned that they need uh, uh, men with courage. Um, Dave, I-, I know that you-, you watched the interview. I know that Cristiano has-, has yet to watch it. But what are you? Some of your takeaways and, and what do you think about this whole thing? It's just lip service at this point. Um, it didn't. I don't think it did anything. I didn't. I didn't have any. Uh, it didn't bring me any uh, confidence listening to this. Uh, this interview. It, it sounds something like uh, any polit- any seasoned politician would be saying. And um, like I said, it, it's lip service. Uh, sure, yeah, we're not going to give up on this season. Yada yada yada. But. Um, I think, like like we we said at the beginning of this podcast, he he's trying to save face, and he's being uh, he's being the puppet, and there's puppet masters behind the the scenes that are, are pulling the strings here. But there there's there's a lot to dissect about this team all the way from the top down. But um, there there's nothing new that that came out of this 
this interview. I'll save, we can save uh, our listeners the 15 minutes or whatever. And if they want to go listen to it, sure, be my guest. But there, there's nothing new that really comes out of this interview. Rui Costa is loved by Benfiquistas on every planet. And what they're doing, Rui Costa, is unfair. They're sending out the Carolina, the guy that every you know that that the people at the top know that he's loved and whatever he says, negative or positive, people are gonna be patient with him. They're going to trust in him because it's been our Benino Rui that's been with us from from you know very very young age for a very long time, and I think it's unfair. It's unfair to do that to him. Um, and look, he's a Benfiquista, and he's going to do what's asked of him. But then again, there's there are people that will tell you eh, how big of a Benfiquista could he be if he doesn't put a stop to this shit. You know what I mean? So there's obviously a double-edged sword here. But I think what's being asked of Rui Costa to go out there in front of the public and take the hit is, is just it's a damn shame because this is tarnishing his image. This is tarnishing his name with the club and – and I think it's unfortunate, man. It's really unfortunate what's going on with this club, with the people ultimately that 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 you know have that responsibility that carry that should carry that responsibility on their shoulders. They're they're hiding behind whatever it may be, and and this poor soul um, is coming out there and trying to clean up everybody else's mess just because of his his pretty face and and obviously that 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 relationship that he has with the fans around the world. And I think it's unfair. It's hey, this might even hurt his his but, chance at getting uh, elected, right? Because the whole transition was supposed to be uh, Vieta to Ricosta and which, by the way, it's against our statues. Yeah, right? of course, they still got to go to elections, right? But it, who, if he's aligning himself with this current regime, and we're still not seeing the results from this regime, who he he's not going to get elected just by his image, right? If he's still aligned with these these group of people and we're not getting the results. Good luck in uh, trying to get elected. Cristiano, um, for, 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 for people that are against Luis Vieira, this, this thing from, from, uh, Rui Costa is really, uh, more palha, if you will, more, uh, <laughs> more, I, I don't, I don't, it's just uh, throwing sand in people's eyes. For the guys that were with Luis Fiviera that start uh, doubting everything that's going on, does this Rui Costa interview buy the club a little bit more time for those guys? Yes, that's what I was saying. That's that's exactly what I said in my point before, that the poor guy, due to his clean image with the fans, is, is the one really taking the hits. He's the punching bag. And yeah. he's never going to turn his back on, on the club and – like I said to to you know before Alfredo, some people look at it. Look, he's the ultimate Benfiquista. He's going to do what's asked of him. And some will say, well, if he's that big of a Benfiquista, he should put his foot down and stop this yeah. right now. So and that's my question to him. It's that's, it's really a no win situation. He's yeah. in a no win situation. Obviously, the 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 people that supported Luis Vieira in this last election are side with him. And then there's people that that obviously are against Luis Rui, but they like Rui, uh, they like Rui Costa. But as you mentioned, this is gonna dirty his image. This is gonna, yeah. you know, you're supporting a, 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 for lack of a better word, you're supporting a cancer at the club, and you're not speaking up. And therefore, some people won't be very forgiving when it comes to you know when it comes time to to make their voice count. 
Yeah, and that, that was my my uh, my follow up question was going to be right if uh, and you know this, Cristiano. You know if I'm if I believe in a project and I'm recruited by some friends to be part of the project and I believe in a project uh, and all of a sudden throughout the lifetime of the project uh, it starts to be something that I really don't identify with, right? At what point? Um, do I need to have a coming to Jesus conversation with my partners uh, saying that, look, something needs to change here or I'm out because I really don't see myself in this. At what point does, does that happen for Rui Costa? Or is, has he drunk the Kool-Aid to the point that he's okay with this or, or thinks that this will pass? <laughs> Uh, Alfredo, uh, man, that's that, that's a question that only Ricosta could answer, bro. I mean, honestly, I, I sitting here speculating. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, I just think that I know what I would do if it was me. Um, I know what you would do. I know you really well. You know, uh, I was in one of those settings as you're speaking now, um, and I wasn't happy about it. And you know, you know how things worked out, so. I can only speak for myself. It's tough. It's tough. It's tough because I don't want to think of Ricosta as someone who drinks Kool-Aid and he's, he's content with it. I, I can't, I can't for the life of me, imagine Ricosta being content with what's going on. I just don't know if he's got enough power to make things change. And therefore then, you know, ties back to your point, step away. If things aren't, I think, I think a lot of Infiquistas, Today, as things are right now, as we speak, eleven fifty-seven p.m. As we speak, a lot, a lot more Benfiquistas would would respect Rui Costa right now for walking away from this mess than those who will respect him for sticking around and just watching this car crash and you know what I mean and not doing anything about it. The car right now is flames. It's I mean airbags been deployed, people are burning, and he's just. Sitting there, he's not even attempting to piss on the fire to put it out. He's just watching. And I think a lot of people will be upset about that. So he might he might gain more fans by stepping away. But look, I, I can't speak for another man. Um, we'll see. We'll see ultimately if this if this pays off or backfires. Up next is Guimarães uh, this Friday at Stadio Luz, 7 p.m. local. Dave, what's uh, Guimarães up to? Uh, they haven't, uh, Benfica hasn't lost, uh, to Guimarães since, uh, May 2013, which was the, uh, Tasa final. And they haven't lost to Guimarães in league competition since, uh, February 2012, going, uh, 17 wins and three draws, uh, during that span. Uh, they're currently in sixth place this, uh, this, uh, season with 29 points from nine wins, two draws, four losses, but have played one fewer game. They have a, a game against Ferenc to, uh, to make up. And, uh, since losing to penalties, uh, against Benfica for the, uh, Tasa de Liga, Guimaraes has, uh, won four, drawn one, and their only loss came to, uh, came against Porto. The one concerning stat that jumps out to me right away is that the last time we lost both games, Liga and Tasa was with our current head coach. I hope we, uh, I hope we don't add to that. Yeah, I got a couple stats that uh, jump out. They have yet to lose away from the Don Fonsenrich. Uh five wins, two ties, and have only allowed three goals um, away from the Don Fonsenrich, uh, which has them 
the best defense away from their uh, stadium. Uh, they have the second best defense overall behind Sporting. Um, <laughs> and, I'm concerned, uh, Alfredo. I'm concerned. I, I'm, I'm concerned too. I'm concerned. I'm, I'm concerned, I'm concerned not, about the, not this. necessarily lose, but draw. I'm I'm, I'm concerned. I, I think it's going to be tough for Rafi to come over with the three points here. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, this is this is tough. Uh, as we record this, Everton looks like we'll be um, out still with COVID. I don't know if uh, uh, when the next wave of tests will happen to see if he's going to be available. But certainly after two weeks of of being stopped, I, I very much doubt that he will he would start. Eight absences for Guimarães, three COVID related. Uh, one of them, uh, one of the COVID cases is uh, Brun Varela. Uh, and uh, as they've mentioned, hasn't lost uh, since the end of December to Porto. So they've they've had quite of a month of uh, of January, and we know the month of January that Benfica has had. Um, very tough game for Benfica this Friday. They're on the upswing. We're on the reverse, on the downswing. Right. And very well, tough, especially after well, loss like like yesterday. It's going to be very dejecting. We hope that this team has is able to turn around quickly, and and because. <laughs> Drop any more points. I mean, you start worrying about you know finishing top, uh, fighting for that third spot. Forget about first place. Yeah, and and Dave, uh, Dave, uh, Christina, as you mentioned, when sharks uh, smell the the blood, it's going to be sure. tough. That's up. It's going to be very tough. We'll see. Right. Um, when do we play Famalicão, Dave? I know you you threw a, threw up uh, Famalicão here for us to preview, but I believe it's on uh, on uh, the eighth. So that would be on Monday, the February. Oh, so we will play Famalicão. So when we get back, we'll have uh, the Guimarães and Famalicão to uh, recap. So Fam- Friday, Monday games? Friday, Monday games. We'll be back on Tuesday. At uh, Super Bowl this weekend. So That's, that's right. At, CO, at 10 CO10 at 87 is where you can find Dave uh, and Cristiano on Twitter. Happy Fika Podcast. Thank you very much for uh, checking us out. Uh, this has gone on a little bit too long. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Peace.